We are at the Coconut Grove at the Ambassador Hotel. Yes, we're back. In beautiful, <laughs> sunny Los Angeles, California. It is November 18th, 1932. We are honoring the films, uh, both in 1931 and the first half of 1932. It's the fifth annual Academy Awards. It's time for the big award of the night. The envelope, please. And the winner for Best Picture goes to Grand Hotel. Oh my goodness. You know, I don't know if I saw that coming. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't think they did either. It wasn't nominated for anything else? That's the craziest thing about this movie. Um, Grand Hotel won Best Picture without being nominated for a single any other other categories. No. That is wild. Uh, Welcome back, guys, to this episode of The Envelope, Please. Uh, Sam here. I'm Rance. Nice to chat with you guys again. (laughs) We're talking about Grand Hotel this week. Um, Yeah. Which I finally watched the entire through, all the way through. Uh, Wow, what an interesting little movie. I have so many thoughts about this film. Should we... uh, (sighs) Should we... Should we... I have lots of thoughts as well. Should we yes. should we like set the stage a little Let's bit? Let's set here? the stage. First of all, I am so happy to be back in the Coconut Grove. Oh my goodness. Last last year, last week. <laughs> didn't just didn't feel right. <laughs> no, it was it was so weird. The Biltmore. The Biltmore. I, mean, like, I, I felt it felt pretentious. It really did. Know? No, no, we belong at the Coconut Grove. We belong we belong at the Coconut That's Grove. That's our vibe. It's 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 our place. <laughs> um the Coconut Grove, uh, which is where several ceremonies take place over the next uh, over the next few years yeah. until the academy starts going into a theater we'll get to that later yeah um but uh the fifth annual academy awards this is now uh, the academy has 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 gotten into a system at this point you know like yes. uh, there are a certain number of awards we know what the big awards are um and it's become something of an event in the Academy, uh, in the Hollywood community, yeah. uh, apparently Disney made a short that was specifically for this Oscars that they played right before the ceremony started. Oh, fun. That parodied uh, some of the nominees for the year. So um, funny. So we're already getting that, like, you know how, like, uh, the hosts will now make fun of all the nominees when they are... In us uh, opening the show, that's kind of what they're getting at right now as well. We want to poke fun at Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Stars, they're just like us. It was uh, the animated short. If you want to look for it, is called the Parade of the Award Nominees. Oh my gosh, funny! I know. So, uh, oh, so I might have to watch that. I feel like that's something that's going to be some required viewing. Did it also win an Oscar for best animated short? Was that a thing yet? Well, interesting. This is the first year that they have the best uh, animated short or best short subject cartoon. Is what Did it win? The time. And it was not nominated. No. Oh, probably because it didn't come out. In the competition yeah. year. Maybe yeah. maybe it'll win next year. <laughs> maybe so. Flowers and Trees is the first is oh, the God. first. I hope that's winner. just an animated short of literally flowers and trees. That's all it is. That's all it is. Hey, impressive. I don't know, actually. I don't I know what it is. I haven't seen it. I'm but just going off the title. This is the most nominees we've had for Best Picture. Um, yeah, quite a few. Although it's still called Outstanding Production. Sure. Point. Um, there's... Uh, Grand Hotel wins, but it's Aerosmith, Bad Girl, The Champ, Five Star Final, One Hour With You, Shanghai Express, The Smiling Lieutenant. You get a lot of big movies that year. The Champ, Shanghai Express, Mm -hmm. undoubtedly classics now. Um, I've seen a few of these, actually. Um, I've seen One Hour With You and The Smiling Lieutenant, which are both 
Ernest Lubitsch movies. Wonderful. Which Ernest Lubitsch uh, was known for having what they called the Lubitsch touch. His comedies. His comedies are great. He has a, like a sentimental um, edge to a lot of his work, and he he ends up making a lot of movies that I I. Th- are all-time classics like The Shop Around the Corner. They're fun and they're witty. They're almost like a Frank Capra film. Yeah, uh, that's a good comparison. Yeah. You know, but with a little bit of like a, a little bit more, as you say, like a little a little different kind of a touch. They're also a, a little more naughty. Edge. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes, has, more of an edge. He has Absolutely. more of an edge to it. And especially his pre-code films. When he could get away with more. Yeah, when he could get away with more. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sex. Um, and uh, Shanghai Express is like one of the. It's a big um, Marlena Dietrich. Oh yeah, probably uh, the one that film. everyone remembers her for. That epic shot of her coming out of the carriage with uh, you know the shadows on her and stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely, so there's some really iconic stuff that happens this year. Also, this year is our first tie. Uh, best actor tie. Yes. Um, we have which one, wasn't really a tie. Was not really a tie. Technically. Um, Friedrich March had more Frederick. Fre- Frederick. Frederick. Pardon. He's not as fancy as you want to make him. <laughs> <laughs> Frederick March technically had what was it? One more vote than Wallace Beard. Yeah, it was like it was, but the uh, the rules at the time. If it was that close, if it was that close, they would both win. And so this is one of the few ties that's happened in Academy history. One of only two ties in acting categories. I feel bad for the third one. Who there were only three three nominees, nominees two winners. Who Alfred Lunt for the Guardsman. Poor guy. Did not win anything. But Frederick March won for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And Wallace Beery won for The Champ, which yes. The Champ is uh, is a good movie. And yes. so is uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So yeah, that and is... The Champ's been remade again. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it? In the 70s with... Was it Peter O'Toole? I mean, like, I can check this. Do check. No, to I'm second sure guessing myself. That you are. Who was it? It was remade. I, f- I want to say it was Peter O'Toole. It was remade. No, uh, I can't be right. It was remade with. 1979. I was right in the decade. Uh, John Voight. John Voight, yes. Peter O'Toole. <laughs> Father of. Je- well, and. No, I almost said yeah. Angelic. You're, no, I'm no, not right. No, no. Um, you're, um, Angelina Jolie. There you yes. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Apparently, Sam. this movie was also remade as The Clown with Red Skelton, but it was about a clown instead of a boxer. Oh my gosh. So that's interesting. Interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Oh, and then uh, just one more note about other awards before yes, we please. get into it. I will say uh, Frederick March first of all wins another Oscar. He's our both the Best Actor and Best Actress winners this year end up being multiple winners. Yeah. Uh, Frederick March ends up winning again for uh, the Best Years of Our Lives, which we'll get to eventually because it's also a Best Picture winner. And then Best Actress goes to Helen Hayes. Oh, get it. Who That's was right. like queen of the theater. Yes. And she wins for The Sins of Madeline Claudette. And she ends up winning Best Supporting Actress in 1970 for Airport. Which is such a funny movie. And she gives such a funny little performance in that movie. She does. So silly. So she can have her Oscars. Okay. Um, Let's dive into Grand Hotel. Grand Hotel. Oh, man. So this... Okay, first of all, this movie um, is just like a perfect representation of like our golden studio system Mm -hmm. age 
of Hollywood. We have humongous stars during that time, all you know, crammed together in this movie, in this hotel. And it's also a great example of a movie that has these multiple storylines that mm -hmm. all kind of stumble and fall into each other. Yeah. Kind of like a Robert Altman film now. Um, very like very good comparison yeah. you know like very kind of like Gosford Park upstairs downstairs all these different storylines that kind of mesh together um, mm -hmm. or like a Nashville you know all of these different little plots that we get to have little samples of but the Grand Hotel is not in Nashville it is it's, not in Nashville it is, it's in Berlin Berlin yeah which I, I a lot of the characters we're with are apparently German <laughs> um, because they all have uh, <laughs> they all have very uh, German names. Oh man, but boy, do they talk like they're from Southern California? They really, really do. <laughs> um, but like uh, uh, the the stars in the movie are yeah. List them off for us. Uh, we got Greta Garbo. Mm -hmm. We got uh, John and Lionel Barrymore. What a treat! Uh, brothers in arms, but not playing brothers. Not playing brothers. Um, and then, uh, but they do have lots of scenes together. They do. Uh, then we have a Wallace Beery, who would win Best Actor this year for a different movie, and of course Joan Crawford. Joni. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the movie, the, one of the first lines of the movie you see all of this activity at the hotel and then this other character played by lewis stone who was a big character actor at um mgm uh, he says people go coming going nothing ever happens mm -hmm. and then i love in the wikipedia article if you read that it says that line that says after which a great deal happens yes <laughs> after which a great deal does happen very true <laughs> Yeah, um, that's kind of funny. What like a <laughs> that's a good like line. I feel like for like a yeah. screenplay. Like okay, I feel like we're gonna get the opposite. You know, setting us up for yes, the story to unfold. I feel like I don't want to say uh, any of the character names because I feel like I'm gonna butcher them. So I'm just gonna yeah. call people we'll by just, yeah. We're gonna call them by their names. Oh, interestingly though, the porter in this movie is played by Gene Hersholt. Who um, oh. becomes the namesake of the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award? Yeah, um, because I believe he he dies. Uh, yeah, he dies in 1956 at 69, and then the award. Um, it, it was a, the award was established much before that, um, but it was uh, established in his honor. Hersholt was honored for his services to the industry twice with an honorary Academy Award, first in 1940 and the second time in 1950, and in his honor, the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award was named by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. So that was established with his death in 1956. That makes sense. Um, because he was president of the Motion Picture Relief Front Fund, and he was also an Academy president from 1945 to nineteen. 49. There so, you go. Um, anyway, anytime you see uh, that humanitarian award, which is given intermittently as people deserve it, yes, um, that comes from somebody who plays a porter in Grand Hotel. In Grand Hotel. There you go. <laughs> there um, you go. So there's a few stories going on here, um, which kind of superficially cross each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in my opinion I think the uh, my favorite of the stories is probably the relationship between Joan Crawford and Lionel Barrymore 
Joan Crawford yes. plays a stenographer who is working for Wallace Beery. Yes. Just typing up his memos, his letters. He's not uh, that nice a guy. Not a nice guy, but he's a big businessman. Yes. Um, and then Lionel Barrymore is a gentleman, an older gentleman who is dying, mm-hmm. who is staying at the Grand Hotel um, because he wants, like, one last hurrah before he dies. He's lived a very He's poor all life. Of his savings. Yeah, he took all his money. He wants to have a good time at the Grand Hotel. And Joan Crawford kind of helps him mm-hmm. have a good time. She dances yeah. with him, talks with him. You know, she's the pretty little girl that he wants to yeah. kind of spend time with. That's kind of the most endearing storyline that kind of stuck with me. Yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, there is something else going on a cooking uh a cooking if you will uh yeah uh and this john barrymore kind of crosses into that story a little bit Mm -hmm. um but his primary story john barrymore um ends up being his he he pretends to be a thief he's not he's not he's a baron he's a baron and he ends up romancing a ballerine, a Russian ballerina, uh, played by Greta Garbo, mm-hmm. who utters the most famous line in the movie. It's number 30 on the AFI quote list. Yes. She says, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. <laughs> I love Garbo's quote uh, when she says, I never said I wanted to be alone. I said I wanted to be let alone. There's a world of a difference. <laughs> that is a really good line. But that That's deals with line. her in personal life. Her Correct. character definitely says... I want to be alone. Yes, in the film. Um, um, but the two storylines, they're kind of mingled together because John Barrymore also kind of romances um, Joan, Joan Crawford. Crawford. She kind of falls in love with him. But he's fallen in love with Greta Garbo. Right, and he, he owes a lot of money, so John Barrymore does. So he's trying to get money to pay back somebody. Do we ever find out who he's trying to pay back? He's I don't trying, remember. It's like, it's the MacGuffin who... Somebody, yeah. Yeah. He's trying to get some money, so he's trying to, like, steal it, but it's, like, not going well. Yeah. La-di-da. And so, yes. And then he ends up getting mixed up... With Wallace Beery. With, Wall- with the Wallace Beery storyline. Yeah. Is this where we say spoiler? We can give you a little spoiler, yes. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. John Barrymore dies. Yes. Wallace <laughs> Beery literally kills him. On accident, to yes. be fair. But kills him nonetheless. He's going to go off with Greta Garbo. Right. But he dies. Right. And then she's feel and then she leaves the hotel. Thinking he's still alive. We never actually see alive. her react to no, we don't. the dead body. Which is an interesting choice. Very interesting. It kind of yeah. leaves that um Dangling. Dangling. Yeah. yeah. Um and and then uh Joan Crawford gets something of a happy ending i guess by going off with lionel barrymore who yeah. is going to die at he's some going point. to die but he's like going to give her all his money so she's like sure i'll hang out with you for a couple of days so yeah. you kick the bucket and wallace barry's gone, gone, uh, gone, he, gone. He's, he's dead so yeah it's like all these people kind of stumble into each other and it really changes all of their lives within the confines of you know a couple of days in this grand hotel and that's what's the funny thing is it's you know they say nothing Ever happens. Ever happens, you know, but no, the most actually happens. And I also love this too. I feel like this is kind of the Grand Hotel. The hotel itself is sort of like a metaphor for life because Mm -hmm. we have a character dying and then the very end we have the birth of that, uh, the, the head bellhop or whatever. Yeah. 
whoever it is, he like he's been talking this whole movie about how like, oh, my wife is in the hospital. She's gonna give birth. We don't know, but she's also ill. All these things, and then she, in the end, she pulls through, has their son, and she's alive. So it's like we lose somebody, but we also see somebody have. Um, a birth in the family, so it's like kind of like the cycle of life. Yeah, you know? and I would say that's that's kind of what the I feel like that's what the movie is going for. It was based on a play, right? And that does I do feel like there there is some staginess to the movie, and that, that does show because you are very contained within the hotel, which it should be said the hotel is an impressive set, amazing set, and it also I read that the the hotel set on the MGM lot completely yeah. changed how people construct and build sets from there on out. It gave you a complete 360-degree view of the entire lobby. Yeah. And the floors. There's this amazing shot in the film where they're up on like the, oh man, what's it like the, what, 10th floor or yeah, something. something like that. And, and you see all the way down to all the people walking on all the other floors in the lobby. It's like, wow, this was built in a soundstage, but it yeah. looks so massive. It, it looks so huge. And so... Yeah. It looks like it's it's a very classy, expensive-looking film. It That is a very good way of putting it. It feels like a big, grand... Yes. If you will. Pun intended. <laughs> ...production. And um, this is probably the first movie of the ones that we've watched that people have maybe heard of... I feel yeah. because not only did it is it a movie and was it based on a play, it did become a Broadway musical in the late eighties that mm-hmm. ran for over a thousand performances. Um it, it's it's something that's uh, like Greta Garbo and Joan Crawford are both very talked about legends Definitely. of cinema. I gotta say though, like I've seen I'm glad I've seen other Greta Garbo movies because this movie I don't feel Ugh. is my She's very overdramatic. In this oh, movie. thank you. I wrote one thing down about Greta Garbo. I said she is extra in this movie. She is. And I know she's playing like a diva prima ballerina, but like, good gracious, she is almost unwatchable. She is so over the top. And nothing is grounded in reality. You have her playing opposite John Barrymore, who is doing the least amount of work. No, and, and it's just they're just totally different acting approaches. Totally. And John Barrymore is uh, there's a trash truck. If you guys hear that, I'm very sorry. It is. Um, it is the garbage hour. <laughs> um, John Barrymore is a pretty like both. It's it's interesting. You have four actors who are in a completely different element from Greta Garbo. I think yeah. it's safe to say that. Because I think, other than her, the performances are pretty Very solid. Very good. Yes, I agree. It is really just Greta Garbo who comes across she's in a like she's in a different movie. She's in a different movie. Yes. And, uh, you and know, maybe that's why she also isn't really in the movie a whole lot. She's a couple of scenes no. that are you know lengthy, but... To me, this movie really isn't about her. It no. way more belongs to John Barrymore, Joan Crawford, and Wallace Beery. And Joan Crawford is somebody. She is amazing, and she is she is underrated. I say this as a Betty Davis fan. We should. Feel, I feel like I should practice <laughs> yeah, I with know, that. Right? <laughs> but um, I feel like I feel like this movie is so interesting to watch because before she developed the Joan Crawford persona right. that I feel like people are more familiar with, like Mildred Pierce and the way that Faye Dunaway takes her on and Mommy Dearest. Like, that's 
one side of Joan Crawford, but this early work of hers is really natural and really raw. And playful and so fun. I remember I was watching, I don't know, some documentary, and they were talking about Joan Crawford Mm -hmm. and her scene with John Barrymore in the beginning where they first interact. Yes. And it's so fun to watch because... Joan Crawford talked about how she was in a scene with the John Barrymore. Because at this point in time, Joan Crawford wasn't really a huge star yet. Yeah, no, she was, she was up and coming. Yes, Grand Hotel really made her an MGM player yeah. and someone to be called upon. Yeah. So she was very nervous doing this scene with John Barrymore. But she knew she wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that the camera saw her. So mm-hmm. when you watch this scene, it's almost like this cat and mouse dance that they're doing where Joan's kind of wrapping around John to make sure she's in view of the camera and then John will turn his head around so he's facing the camera <laughs> she'll then counter so she it's, it's very bizarre but it works because they're very flirty yes. and it kind of comes across that way but it is a dance which I think is funny because they're also talking about going dancing later that night I mean so it's really really fun and enjoyable to me that's probably the best scene in the movie where you're getting the yeah. most um, I don't know, playfulness out of these two actors. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, John Barrymore was also um, known as the the great profile. Yeah, um, He was known for his, you know, very uh, striking uh, nose mm-hmm. and the way his features photographed in profile. So look for that throughout the movie for sure. And note for when he is seen in profile because I feel like he, you see that side of his face. It's always it's mainly this side. Yeah, uh, I'm pointing to his side. You can't see it. Um, <laughs> his the, left. His left side. You you Very see true. it. You see it a lot. And even yeah. if you look at like the movie poster um, for Grand Hotel, although he it shows his right side on the movie poster, but it's a painting. To be fair. To be fair. Um, but he, you you see he's completely in profile. Yeah. On the movie poster for Grand Hotel, mm-hmm. which is which I is love the movie poster for Grand Hotel because the title of the film is like in the center, and all the stars' names are huge and on the top. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it was the stars that were selling this movie. Yeah, uh, but it works. You know, I do think this was a really fun uh, movie to watch. You can watch it all the way through. Once it gets going, it doesn't stop. No, you no. know, and like, and a lot happens. In a the lot movie. happens, and. Uh, and the scene, there aren't scenes that feel unnecessary. You know, it 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 is also a very good character study, um, particularly for uh, the Joan Crawford, and yeah. particularly for I I I think it's a good character study for everybody in the film. I just think that Greta Garbo has the most dated performance in the film. And I wonder too. This is kind of one of the first examples of a of a major studio like MGM throwing all their big stars into one movie and realizing... It is one of the first examples. It is, right? And they realized, oh, if we put all these people together... Our stars are what's selling these movies for us. And then we're going to be seeing that a lot in uh, later movies too you know it's it's not just the studio but it's the celebrity of the studio yep. that are really bringing in the dollars and I think it's so interesting I was reading a bunch of old um, reviews uh-huh. on this film and everybody back then praised Greta Garbo and I don't know why I really don't know why they're like she's amazing she comes across as this luminous I mean I get it she's stunning she's beautiful she, she is but She's not good in this movie. No, I her performance that really surprised me doesn't date well. And again, I will say that I have seen better 
performances from her that make me better understand her entire appeal. Yeah. Um, but but like she's rushed. She's supposed to be what Russian in this movie, but she is her Swedish accent is just so heavy. It's it's yes. And there's nothing Russian about it. You no, know? there's. It's just like and um. <laughs> I would recommend that uh, if you ever get the opportunity um, see, to see another movie where she plays a Russian, actually, Nanashka as a comedy. And sure. It's absolutely delightful. Um, and then uh, she, uh, Queen Christina is better. There are, uh, there are movies where she just seems less, this feels like I'm acting. Watch me act. Yeah, right. And it's like let me go over the top. It's, it's almost so like counter with everyone else in the film. Yes, and I feel like Garbo, like her screen persona, it, she just takes herself so seriously. Yeah, that I feel like it works better when she's in a comedy, and we can kind of laugh at it a little bit because it's a little laughable. Like her, her melodrama is so over the top that it's you know almost comical. Yeah, it's just. Uh... I mean, like, we, we ran into this a little bit with Cimarron um, and Richard and Dick Dix. Dick Dix. Um, who, who also had a very silent movie type acting style. Yeah. And I feel like this is maybe connected to that in a way. Because there is a lot of um, holdover here from, like, the silent movie days of acting. Totally. And, and that's probably... And to be fair, also, like, Garbo didn't really stay in the films that much longer than this throughout the 30s yes 40s but like it wasn't very early in the 40s very she early in the 40s she retires and she flirts with coming back a few times but never does never and does. then her legend becomes the fact that she's a recluse in um new york city who walks a few miles every single day and these and dress down and people have garbo sightings until she dies in like 1990 because she just walked oh my god for blocks and blocks and blocks every single day in new york city i didn't know that that's yeah. wild they apparently they made a movie um i think called uh garbo garbo talks or something like that oh yeah that's about um let me clarify this uh we we're going to the research machine right now um but uh, it has the movie has Anne Bancroft, Carrie Fisher is in it. But let me get a nice like IMDb summation of the plot. Um, the son of a dying woman, uh, of a who's dying of a brain tumor, tries to fulfill his mother's last wish to meet Greta Garbo. Oh, and they live in New York City, and they're um, trying to find her, and they're trying to find Greta Garbo. Oh, it's so, directed by Sidney Lumet, too. And okay. it's a Sidney Lumet movie, too. Okay. So there is there is a film that's a little bit about the legend of the fact that Garbo becomes this, this Garbo sighting. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. She, um, yeah, probably, I mean, she was, I mean, even at this time as well, MGM's biggest star. And in the silent era, the type of acting she's doing in this movie would probably translate very well to not talking. It would yeah. probably... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it would. <laughs> you know, I mean... It, it's it, just so extra. I mean, we hear her line, I want to be alone, but she says it like eight times. I'm like, okay, we get it. You want to be alone. Let's yeah. just leave you alone then. And Let's her go whole back thing, to Joan Crawford. Her whole thing before she falls for John Barrymore in the movie, her whole thing is just that, oh, I can't perform. It's just, I, I don't have it. She just comes right? off like this 
spoiled. Yes. A diva. A, a total. A diva. Total and diva. I also remember, oh man, I mean, reading about this too, because Joan Crawford talks about um, Greta Garbo and how she would like sneak into the soundstage to watch Garbo's scenes because they're not in a scene together. They're, they never, they come, like, I think in the very end of the movie, they come within inches. They of like passing. cross paths, yeah. Uh, passing each other but that's it and that was the thing because Joan Crawford was like oh I'm doing this movie with the biggest MGM star mm-hmm. this is going to help my clout I'm going to you know get more movies because of this and she realized I'm not in any scenes with her yeah crap so she would go and she would sneak in and she would try to watch her mm-hmm. perform to kind of pick up on god thank god she didn't take acting notes from her I mean you know um, not that Joan Crawford does not develop her own theatrical tendencies. Very true. But but early on here, Joan Crawford, she just she does come across as a very good actress, and she is. Very she real. is she a very like good a actress. Real person. And That's we get it because I, exactly, and she's playing you know a uh, a woman of very little means in this film, which is uh, one of the things that she would do a lot earlier in her career, the shop girl. Yes, roles. and that's because that's where she comes from. She yeah. comes from a very modest upbringing, a very poor childhood. Yeah. That it is fun to see her play a character very close to who she is, because mm-hmm. um, it does come across very realistic. She knows what she. It looks like she knows what she's doing. Exactly. You know, I and she's she's so smart. She's so. She's just great. And, and the Barrymores are great. Um, the Barrymores are really, really great. I will um, say John Barrymore is great. I, I did make a note, though. It's really funny to me. Um, in reading about this, I'd read that John Barrymore was, and this is just you know a fact of all of his movies, he was a very heavy drinker. Very. Very much an alcoholic. And uh, it was said you know on this movie set, he was constantly drunk the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so drunk that I made a little note that when I watched this, I was like, before every single one of his lines, uh-huh. he will say, what? Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll go into his line. And I wonder if that's him, like, stalling <laughs> for time so he can remember. Because it's, it happens way too much. Someone will, like, ask him a question. He'll turn to the actor and go, what? Oh, no, no, no. I was just walking along. I was like, hmm. Once, twice I can see. But you're literally doing that well, with every exchange. You know, there's, there's the story... Um, you know, John Barrymore, he only lived a short time after... He lived, like, maybe 10 years after this uh, movie came out. Mm. Let me check on the exact date of his death. He, um, yeah, he died in 1942. Um, so he only later. lived 10 years after this. And it, he eventually got to the point where um, he was pulled off movies in the early 40s just because he wasn't able... To complete them because he had such bad alcohol problems. Yeah. There is a story where, and I believe they made a play out of it too, um, where the actors uh, Mickey Rooney, <laughs> um, Paul Henreid, mm-hmm. um, and one other person um, brought... They found John Barrymore's dead body, and they brought it to Errol Flynn's house uh-huh. and propped him up there because he was a drinking buddy of Errol Flynn. Sure. To freak him out, and also to kind of be like, maybe you're drinking a little too much, Errol Flynn. Um, and they, his dead body was just in... In their in the house, I can't remember who. So this the didn't three. really happen. This is the the plot of a. 
Well, that's the thing. It might have. It might have really happened. Oh it's, my uh, gosh! It's uh, that is so fucked up on so many levels. I I wish I Google their names and for the full see story, what happens. But there is a um, something truly monstrous is is the name of the uh, something truly monstrous. That seems yes, fitting of of the uh, supposed story. Uh, it's Hollywood folklore folklore right that this is what something happened? that actually happened oh so, my goodness um yeah it's uh oh excuse me uh it's not mickey rooney i'm sorry it's uh it's paul henry humphrey bogart and peter lorry oh okay and and uh they brought the the body to Errol Flynn's place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be so traumatic. Yeah, I know. I mean, if that doesn't scare you out of drinking, I don't know what will. Yeah, no. If you have a problem, we have some recommendations. Just get John Barrymore's body. Just find it. Prop it up. <laughs> have a good laugh. Wherever he's buried. I'm sure oh it's somewhere goodness. in LA. Please don't go exhuming bodies. Yeah. Let's this not is fun, go though. Ed Gein on Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Robin. This is fun to see, though, the two Barrymores in a movie together. Yes. Um, there was only, there was one movie where all three of them were together. Rasputin and the Empress? Yes. You betcha. Sister Ethel Barrymore. Also an Oscar winner. Yes. She, uh, John's the only one of the three who didn't win one. And was um, never nominated either. No. And he was thing. considered, like, a great actor of his day. But by the time sound movies came along, he did have such a dramatic drinking problem. Pretty that, bad. Um, Pretty bad drinking problem. There was actually uh, Betty Davis bought uh, the play or had Warner Brothers get the play uh, The Man Who Came to Dinner, um, which is a cute little comedy, um, kind of a Christmas movie. Um, and it stars Monty Woolley, but she got it for John Barrymore to make with her. And she, was to, she took a supporting part in the movie with the idea that John Barrymore would be the lead because she wanted to work with him. And then he, oh. he couldn't do it. That would make sense. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, but the three siblings do star in one movie together. And then Ethel Barrymore doesn't really make any, make very many movies until the 40s when she becomes, like, the old woman in every movie. Old woman in everything, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, so I, this, this movie, I, Grand Hotel. Recommend it? I do recommend it. I think it's really, really fun. It is, like, kind of like the first, besides All Quiet on the Western Front, this feels like an actually... A complete film. Yeah. You know, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. It has great performances. Beautiful sets. A beautiful score. It's a lot of fun and enjoyable. It's like a popcorn movie. It is. You know? Uh, I read something online that was like, kind of also like the first like, Ocean's Eleven too. All these huge yeah. stars coming into a movie together to doing different little like, you know, interactive scenes. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's very, it's very fun to watch them all be together in a movie. Yeah. And, and I would say like, more so than Ocean's Eleven, I think that the characters are really well mm-hmm. developed in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's not... I think All Quiet in the Western Front is still the best movie of the ones we've watched so far. Because that's way more, like, poetic. There's an actual, like, um, style and... Uh, I don't know, something a bit more with All Quiet in the Western Front. It's, it's, but also, that's, you know, an anti-war film. It's attempting to do it more. It feels very powerful. Yes, you are, you're moved by All Quiet in the Western yes. Front. You're not really moved in Grand Hotel. You don't need to be moved. It's like a good Hollywood film. It is a very Hollywood movie. It's yeah. an all-star cast Hollywood extravaganza. It's, exactly. It's what we go to the movies for. 
Definitely. And yeah, incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, very enjoyable. Highly recommended, I would say. Um, would you give any of the performers Oscar acting no- nominations? I was Had trying we... to think of what nominations you'd give this. I it's, know, right? It's interesting that it didn't get any others because I feel like it did. It definitely deserved an art direction. I think so. Because I would give it a impressive. and I'd give it a screenplay nomination as well. I think it's a fun mm-hmm. um, story. Had supporting nominations been in existence, I think Lionel Barrymore might have gotten a supporting nom. I agree. Um, in addition to uh, winning the year before, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that Joan Crawford could have gotten a Best Actress nomination off this, and I would have been happy. Definitely, yeah. But I feel like they still would have nominated Garbo over Joan Crawford, yeah. which drives me insane. Well, so but I definitely think, yeah, I agree with it. you. Had there been supporting categories in this year, I think it would have had some nominations. I also think the writing is pretty strong. Yeah, I think it's a good adaptation of. I think so too. It's all and it's the direction of to be the honest play, with you. which was of apparently of a German novel. Yeah, I feel um, like this would be kind of the a The direction more, is solid, too. You're right. Yes, it's kind of a difficult film to navigate, and you need a, somebody who knows how to do this kind of a movie, and I feel like that's a very... Uh, it's and done very well. And this kind of a movie didn't really necessarily exist before this movie. Exactly. So it's, They're kind of creating a, a sub-genre. Because mm-hmm. um, right after this, they make... Uh, MGM makes Dinner at Eight, which has even more people yeah. um, who are super famous in it. I think Grand Hotel is better than Dinner at Eight, um, having seen them both. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, this is the first of its kind. Yeah. Which is very fun. It's fun to see this get rewarded, uh, for being that. And again, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks as well. You know, we're getting these first examples of what we can do with movies and we're rewarding them, which is why, you know, there, we talk all the time about how like, there's really no original movie anymore. It's all pulled from other films, other classic movies. And we're, we're seeing those classic movies Yeah, we're seeing where, all these later films are getting their um, inspiration from. So, do you think? Uh, do you think next week we're going to see that movie that people have continued to draw as inspiration from? Oh God! For decades upon decades. So yeah, next week is a film that I have been dreading for a little while. We're going to watch maybe Cap- the most of any of the movies that most we have of to any. Watch. I don't know yes. why it is that I just feel allergic to uh, <sighs> watching this. Yeah. So next week we're going to watch Cavalcade. Um, which, if that's the first time you've heard that word, not alone. Uh, yeah, I believe you. It's, it's <laughs> uh, a very interesting movie. I know slim to nothing about it except that it follows a British family, um, and like their maids and stuff. Right? It's like kind of like an upstairs downstairs there's type like of a, picture. There's yes through like the First them. World War. It's it's yeah. It's basically like it's going to be Cimarron if it took place in England. England. Yeah, and Great. <laughs> maybe less like land rushes. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I there's not really a big star in it, which I think no makes me like. Uh, okay. But it won picture, it won director. It was nominated for actress. Um, so it was a pretty big movie it, that year, I guess. It was uh, released by Fox. At least by Fox. So yeah. So we'll see that next week. That'll be. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a completist, you can watch it with us. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, or wait to see what we say. Or wait to see what we say. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? You know, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised I, and we're going to love it. If you go in with bargain basement expectations. Here's the question. Look up how long it is first. Oh, no. Oh, I just, no. I, I, I feel like I need to prepare myself sometimes. Just like. I want to see what, what, what length of commitment. 
I mean, what like, is... if I can type, we can. It's okay. It's a weird word to type. It is. There it is. Uh, what do we got? It here? was based on a play as well. Might I say by Noel Coward? Okay. So that is a real name of someone famous. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. Are you ready? I'm ready. 112 minutes. Okay, so it's under two hours. It's under two hours. Okay, that's doable. Yes, and uh, yeah, I'm okay. Frank Lloyd, one director. He sure did. I mean, it should be fun. Should be a fun time. <laughs> all right, so you guys, tune in with us next week again. We'll talk all about Cavalcade.